help, bring them comfort, and bring them joy. Lord, we thank you for our mothers who brought us into this world. And we want to pray for them, God, that the grace of God and your blessings will be bountiful upon them. And for your help that you would give to them even as we pray now. That in the times of grief, you would comfort them. In the times of jubilation, you would be their source of joy and strength. In the times where they need help from Almighty God, you will be ever ready and ever beside them. We want to pray too for those who have lost children. God, that your comfort will be ever gracious and ever present with them too. And now as we come before your word, I pray for my sister Joanne. Lord, thank you for blessing us with her faithfulness in ministry from a very young age to now as a mother herself and soon to be a mother of two. We want to pray, Lord, that you will anoint anoint her with power from on high that the meditations of a heart would be your blessings to us. And so we commend her to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is the first thing I have to announce. Uh, SJB6211 is blocking the driveway. Please move your car. SJB6211. Good morning. I'm so nervous. <laughs> um, mainly because there are people in the congregation who have, uh, I think, been mothers before I was born and they watched me grow up. And, and um, yeah, so I thought, I, thought uh, I would start by sharing a video to calm myself down. Uh, and anyway, you know, everybody likes videos. It, it actually has nothing to do with my message at all, but I thought, I thought it would um, be a nice Mother's Day video. So, yeah. Remember when I was a baby? <laughs> Whatever I ate. Remember when I was a baby? <laughs> Whatever I ate was what you wanted to eat. When I slept was when you slept. When I woke up, you wanted to wake up too. Is it because you want to copy me? Remember when I cried because that boy didn't want to play with me? You cried too, and you weren't even there. But when I laugh, you like to laugh. Even when I have homework, 
You do homework. You aren't even in school, Mom. When I want to ride my bike, you always want to ride your bike, even though you go kind of slow. Remember when I broke my arm? You said it broke your heart. See? We both broke something. When I get sleepy at night, you seem sleepy too. And when I get in bed, you always want to say prayers with me. And then you want to scratch my back. When you leave, you go get in your bed too. Mom, I'm starting to think you want to be just like me. Because you always do things I do. But it's okay, because I like it. Happy Mother's Day, or Happy Mother and Son's Day, in case you want to share that too. <laughs> So I, ho I hope you like that video. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the audience. Um, yesterday at youth service, I reminded all the youths to do something for their mothers, so I hope they do it today, uh, and you can ask them to do it for you. Um, it's, a, it's a real privilege to be able to share something on Mother's Day. I don't take this lightly. Um, and I am not an experienced mother at all. Uh, my, my first daughter, Gemma, is only 18 months old. And um, as you can see, I have another girl coming out next month. So really, I'm a, I'm a noob mom, you know, in, in teenage speak, that's like, I'm a newbie. And, uh, and, and, and clearly, there are some of you in a congregation who have been mothers for a very, very long time. So I don't have um, wisdom and experience to share with you today. But what I can share with you is, is what I've personally experienced, um, not so much as a mother, but as a daughter, and what I've witnessed in the lives of other mothers. And today I want to talk to you about the difference that a godly mother can make. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I, I also serve in the youth ministry. So actually I see um, many, many examples of, of the effect that a mother or a parent can have on their children. You know, as teachers, we do a lot of um, parent-teacher meetings. And sometimes when, you, when you know, you know, you, you, you've been teaching this class, and then and then you meet uh, the parent and everything about the, the kid just clicks, you know, uh, whether positive or, or, or negative. Like sometimes the mother walks in and she doesn't even tell me who her daughter is and I'm like, yeah, I know, you're her daughter. I mean, you're her mother. Because uh, uh, there's, there's, there's so much, there's, there's so much link between um, um, a mother and child. And, and uh, recently I read something about uh, this psychology research paper that uh, found that mothers have a great influence on whether or not their children have a strong conscience, whether they instinctively choose right over wrong, whether they are selfish or they share, and whether they are prone to cheating. And I just thought, duh, I mean, obviously, right? Mothers have, have such a great influence over their children, and we don't even need a research paper to tell us that. And, and I mean, that's why they're parents. And, and, and I, I work with teenagers a lot, and I really believe that mothers and parents make a huge difference in their children's lives. A godly mother makes a big, big difference. And a mother who loves God and teaches her children to love God makes a tremendous difference in her child's life. You know, they say that you never fully appreciate your mother until you become a mother yourself. And I, I think it's true. Um, I have a very godly mother, 
And uh, now that I'm a mother myself and I have to think about how I want to raise my kids and how, what I'm going to do, I, I see what a difference having a godly mother uh, has made in my life. And I've seen so many examples of godly mothers in our church and I believe that that has made a tremendous difference in the lives of our children. So I'm just going to start straight with my first point, which is that um, a godly mother dedicates her children fully to the Lord. And I think most of us would be um, familiar with the story of Hannah. Hannah was barren, and she longed for a child, and she asked God for a child. And then she made a vow. Okay, in 1 Samuel uh, 1, chapter 11, she made a vow. She said, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And you know, this vow that Hannah made was, was serious business. Okay, she was basically dedicating her son to the temple of God for his entire life. Once he was weaned, and, and, and I understand that at that time that would be about three or four years old, he, he wouldn't live with her. He would go and live um, in the temple. He would grow up in the temple instead and, and, and be kind of brought up by the priest Eli. And, and Hannah making that vow would almost be like, me telling God right now that I will give my unborn baby to full-time service in the church once she's four years old, you know, and, and, um, and after waiting for so long and praying so hard for a child, uh, he actually wouldn't stay and wouldn't grow up with her. In the end of First Samuel, in, in um, verse 28, she says, So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, his whole life. And, and, you know, even the Levites, they only serve from, I think, age 25 to 50. And I was reading that this vow of not cutting one's hair, um, like with Samson, was a, was a symbol of dedication, uh, of service to the Lord. But usually people take it for a short period of time. So they would say, I'm not going to cut my hair for this period of time. Then they would cut your hair again. But for Samuel, um, no razor will ever be used on his head. So I think Hannah understood the principle that children are really a gift from, from God. In the Message Bible, uh, Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Don't you see that children are God's best gift? And Hannah wasn't sacrificing her son for God. She was just giving him back. She asked for a son, God gave it to her, and she gave him back. It's kind of like tithing, right? We don't give up our money for God. Uh, we just give him back what he gave to us in the first place. You know, our children are a gift that we need to return in full dedication to the Lord. In fact, I think Hannah realized um, that in surrendering what she so desperately wanted and desired to the Lord, it was a gain rather than a loss. 1 Samuel chapter 2 shows the joy and the peace Hannah found. There's this whole um, prayer and like a song that, that Hannah wrote to, to, to the Lord. And Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21, he grew up in the presence of the Lord. He grew in stature and in favor with God and with men. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, 26, he became a great prophet of Israel. So, so you know, Hannah didn't lose anything. She didn't lose out. The, the son didn't lose out. And I don't think dedicating our children fully to God necessarily means they become full-time pastors or, 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 or workers or, or missionaries only. But I think it does mean that their entire life purpose is to serve God. Not just to do well in their studies or get a good job or, or do well in their careers, be successful, although all that is great. But their purpose in life really is to serve God 
with all your being to glorify Him, to have God as the first priority in whatever they do in life. And I'm very thankful for um, many parents who release their children to serve in the youth. And um, this is even during exam times, competition times. You know, we have, we have kids who are faithfully serving. And, and, and I really believe that if we raise our kids with the mindset and the perspective that, that they exist in order to glorify and to serve God, it makes a huge difference in their lives. You know, in my own life, uh, my mom is incredibly supportive of, of me serving. And sometimes people ask me, oh, how do you juggle, like, you know, having a job and, and, and a kid and, and taking care of the youth ministry? And, and honestly, it's, it's mainly because I have extremely strong uh, family support. I have a godly mom who's willing to help me take care of my daughter, and that makes it so much easier for me to serve. And, and I know it's not easy for a 50-something-year-old mom, better not say her age, although her birthday is next week, um, to take care of a young kid, and, and, and soon it'll be two young kids. Um, but, but I believe that she does it so that I can serve both in my workplace and, and um, in the church. And, and if my mom was unwilling to, to dedicate her child, i.e. me, uh, to the Lord, I, I don't think I would be able to serve, and I, I, don't, I don't think I would be standing here um, speaking today. And you know, as mothers, really our ultimate goal should be to raise children for His glory and for His purposes. And they are on loan to us from God, and we have to be good stewards over their lives. And of course, this is all very easy for me to say, um, because my, my, I mean, my, my daughter is not really capable of serving yet, but, but I do hope and pray that as she grows up and she starts to face school and all that pressure and commitments and, and, and everything else of life, that, that both she and I will remember that her life purpose on earth is just to serve God. And I think the big difference that a godly mother makes in her children's lives is simply that her children understand their purpose in life. I, I work with uh, teenagers a lot, and, and I can tell you that many of them don't know their purpose in life, and that's often the root of uh, many of their problems. But those who do, those who do know their purpose in life, um, their lives are vastly different. They struggle with a lot less insecurities. They just struggle a lot less. They are less emo, you know, emotional. Um, they are stronger. They are a lot clearer about what's important and what's not. And, and, and I see this in some of my youths, which are your children. You know, children who know that their purpose is, is to serve God. Um, children who know that their purpose is to glorify God. And I believe it's because they had godly mothers and parents who teach them this important principle. It makes a huge difference in their lives. And actually, I think this applies to, to those of us who aren't mothers as well. Right? For each and every one of us, our whole purpose here on earth is really to serve God, to bring Him glory. And at the beginning of the year, I, I shared with um, my youths our theme verse for, for 2013, which is Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You know, even before we were in our mother's wombs, we were set apart with a purpose. And when we know our purpose, it makes a huge difference in the way we live our lives and the way we approach life. And so mothers, when you dedicate your children fully to God and they know their purpose in life, it makes a huge difference, big, big difference in their lives. 
My second point is that um, a godly mother boldly asks for great things for her children. And, and I want to read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 20. Um, this is the, the, the mother of James and John, um, verse 20 to 22. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in the kingdom. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? So this is, this is a mother in the Bible. She is uh, the mother of James and John. This is Mrs. Zebedee. And she's asking Jesus for really high status and position for her sons to sit right beside him. And, and many people feel, will probably feel that you know, she's being presumptuous or she's being greedy. And, and, and yeah, perhaps she was. But, but the verse does say that she came to Jesus kneeling down. Um, she came asking a favor. And the Amplified Bible adds that she worshipped him. Um, so I don't think her intentions were, were, were bad. Uh, and Jesus' answer to her request was actually to ask her sons, right? Are you sure? You don't know what you're asking. But he didn't actually say no to her. And, and we don't see or hear anything else uh, about, about this mother in the rest of the chapter. Um, and yet, that portion of scripture in the NIV is titled, A Mother's Request. And so clearly, the editors felt it was significant enough um, that this request was made by a mother. And maybe only a mother would ask this kind of things. You know, only a mother would have the presumption and boldness to ask God for such things for the sake of her children. And that's how mothers are like, right? They just unashamedly ask for things for their children. It's like um, how my, hus- my husband's not a mother. He's, he's a father. And they're great as well. Can't wait for your Father's Day sermon. Um, he's always just unashamedly asking for things for my daughter. You know, he, we walk past like a store with a balloon and he'll ask, ask them for a balloon because she loves balloons or she... In Marche, you know, the, the fruit stall, he would just ask for a free strawberry because she likes strawberries. And, um, and, and, and in school, we have parents who just unashamedly ask for their children to be made prefects or to represent the school in a competition, even though their kid is, you know, not really ideal for that position. And, and, and that's, what, that's what mothers do, right? It's kind of like in, in Hokkien, they say, Bui Pai say, you know, they, they, just, they just ask and ask for the sake of of the children. And, and to some extent, I, I admire Mrs. Zebedee, this, this mother. She had big spiritual dreams for her children. She asked boldly. Hannah asked for her son. She asked God for great things for, for her son. She, just, she didn't just pray that um, her kids will be a Christian, you know, go to church regularly, be good boys. She asked that they would have really, really important spiritual positions to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus, places of the highest honor. And these were grown-up kids who could, who could have asked Jesus themselves. In, in fact, um, they did in, in other gospel accounts. But this mother was being a mother, and she just boldly asked for great things for her children. What do we ask God for, for our children? Do we ask Him for small things? You know, they'll do well in their exams, their studies, their career. Or do we ask Him for great things? that their lives will be completely sold out for Him, that they will win many souls, that they will know Him so closely and intimately that they radiate His godliness everywhere they go. 
Let's ask God for great things for our kids. You know, my mom used to say that it would be her greatest honor if any of her kids became missionaries, and we haven't got there yet, but you know, maybe someday Jody will do it. <laughs> um, you know, mothers, there, there, is, there is so much impact and, and, and power when we pray for our children and when we ask God to work in their lives. And I know my mother is always praying for her children. Uh, I've been seeing and hearing her do it my whole life. And, and, and I believe that that has made a big difference in, in, in the lives of me and my siblings. And I'm sure all of you pray for your children too. And we need to always remember that, that prayer and, and talking to God about our kids has a profound impact um, on the lives of, of our children. You know, it's not, like, it's not just like asking a teacher, can you please help my, my son with his homework or with his, with his, with his schoolwork? It's not, it's not just like asking a doctor, you know, can you please you know, help my son with his fever or something. We, we are asking the king of kings. We're asking the creator. We are, we are asking the one who loves our children even more than we do. Um, so we should boldly ask him. We should boldly ask him for great things for them. You know, Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us ask boldly. Let us come boldly. And, 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 and I think this applies to those of us who, who aren't mothers as well. Let's, you know, when we pray, let's ask God not just for small things, but let's boldly ask him for, for great spiritual things in our lives and in the lives of people we care about. And when I was um, pregnant for the first time, I was uh, initially a little overwhelmed by all the, you know, they tell you all the do's and don'ts and, and, and everybody tells you something different and, and you read all this stuff in the book and, and, um, and it's just like, oh, what if the sac is not impl- implanted in the right place and if there's low-lying placenta or if this, this will cause risk of miscarriage and risk of deformity and, and, and et cetera. And, and, and just like, I figured so many things could go wrong in so many ways. Um, and, and, and I eventually realized that, that often the best you can do as a mother is just to pray. You know, so I, I mean, I was there thinking, oh, if I drink coffee, does that make me a bad mother when I'm pregnant, you know? But, but, but I realized that, that, yeah, often the best you can do is just to pray. You know, we can't live our children's lives for them. We can't be watching them every single moment. We can't do things for them because that's probably going to do them more harm than good. But all we can do is pray. And uh, I, I read this quote somewhere that says, making the decision to have a child is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. And I think many of you have been mothers much longer than I have. And, and so you'll probably understand that a lot better than I do. You know, when you're a mother, you never stop worrying or thinking about your children. My siblings and I have all studied overseas at some point of time. And um, even across the continent, you know, especially with technology, it's always my mother doing her, her mother thing. You know, have you, have, you, have you cleaned your room? Have you eaten? Do you have enough money? Have you, are you sleeping properly? Et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, the mothers, they, they never stop worrying about, about their children. And, and yet, more often than not, we just really have to let go and let God take care of things. And all we can do is pray. And when we pray for our children, I really believe it's not just about spiritual covering and protection, but it's about speaking life and vision and hope and, and, and anointing into our children's lives. You know, many people name their, hero, their, their children after heroes in the Bible. And so when we pray for our children, let's pray similarly that our children will be spiritual giants and spiritual heroes 
Let's ask God boldly that they will see God face to face like Moses, that they will be men and women after God's heart like David, that they will be people of great faith like Joshua and Caleb. They'll be evangelists like Paul, leaders of a church like, like Peter. You know, when I was um, preparing for this message, obviously I was reminded uh, myself to pray for my own children. And, and one thing that John and I have been um, praying for Gemma is that she would be um, a witness and spread God's love to John's family, who are mostly non-Christians. And recently, we celebrated the 70th birthday of uh, my father-in-law. And uh, John managed to get Gemma to, to pray a prayer of blessing for her grandfather, like to his face. Um, and, and it was a lot easier and less awkward when you send a child um, than, than if, if John or I had asked to pray for him. And, um, and, and yeah, he was just like, oh, okay, thank you. You know, it wasn't any awkward or anything. And, and, and it just reminded me to, to keep praying that, that Gemma will be an evangelist and someone who wins people to God. And she can, she should start as early as possible. And so I want to encourage you to pray for great things for your children. And on a smaller but, but related note, I want to encourage um, also those who have children who are perhaps not walking right with God at the moment. You know, I've heard so many stories of, of wayward or backslided children who are just prayed back into the kingdom by a faithful mother, a faithful and godly mother. So let's keep contending for our children, even if they are far from God at the moment, because a mother's prayers make a huge, huge difference. And so mothers, I want to encourage you to press on and press on in praying for your children, as I'm sure you do, however old they are, wherever they are spiritually, whether they're walking right for the Lord or not, let's pray for them and let's ask God for great things. The Bible is full of promises that say, ask and you shall receive. And just like Jacob wrestled with the angel and wouldn't let him go until he got a blessing, and just like Elisha asked for a double portion of anointing that Elijah had, and just like um, the mother of, of James and John asked Jesus for the highest position of spiritual authority for her sons, let's ask God for great things our children. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, boldness, ask God to use our children for his glory. Because I really believe that such prayers will make a big difference in our children's lives. And my last point is that a godly mother leaves a great legacy. And, and, and I want to show you this verse. It's from 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. Um, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. This is Paul writing to Timothy. I, I love this verse. Um, you know, it's, it's not any profound theology, and it's, it's just really a small minor verse, but, but I think it's a wonderful example of, of just this idea of spiritual heritage and inheritance and, and, and legacy, and I think it speaks for faithful mothers everywhere. And it's specifically to women, to mothers, right? Lois and Eunice. And Timothy was, was therefore, he was a third-generation Christian, just like how my daughter Gemma is going to be a third-generation Christian. That's her in the middle. Um, and, and we just took that last night. Um, and yeah, my dream is that, is that one day, people will look at Gemma um, and say that they can see her sincere faith, which first lived in her grandmother Linda and in her mother Joanne and, I'm, and now lives in her as well. That's, that's my dream, you know, that's, that's, that's my prayer. That that, that that will be said of her. 
And um, I, I think most of you would know that I am a second-generation Christian. My parents are both Christians. Um, and, and when I was growing up, I, I used to be a bit envious of those uh, first-generation Christians who, who had such dramatic salvation testimonies, you know? They used to be a gangster, they grew up in the temple, and then there's some dramatic conversion story, and they, now they're a pastor, something like that. And, and my story is just that um, I've been coming to church my whole life. Um, I accepted Christ just before my fourth birthday, and, and ever since then, it's just been a journey of, of growing and growing to love Him and know Him more. And I mean, my life wasn't perfect, but I didn't have any dramatic backsliding either and coming back. You know, there's, there's, I, I used to think it's quite a boring story. It's not the kind of story you would make into a movie or, you know, it's not, not the kind of story you would tell at evangelistic rally and, you know, 100 people come to know Christ. And, and, and you, know, um, you know, sometimes you have to write your testimony, like when you get baptized or you want to share something, mission trips, whatever. And, and they always give you this template, you know. Oh, it's very simple. Just write what, what was your life like before Christ and then how you come to know Christ and what was your life, af- what was your life like after Christ. And, and I always get stuck at the first part because what was my life like before Christ? I don't remember. <laughs> I was, I'm too young. I was too young. Um, yeah, so I was just thinking, like, oh, I have nothing to write. My story is so boring. Um, but, but nowadays, I realize increasingly what a story of grace and really pure grace um, my life is and, and has been that a four-year-old becomes a Christian and stays a Christian. I mean, that's actually quite, quite amazing in itself. And, and, and of course, a lot of this has to be attributed to my mother and, um, and just, just the godliness that, that I grew up with. You know, I have people in um, um, our youth ministry who come from non-Christian families and, and they face a lot of struggles that, that I never faced when, when I was growing up. Um, sometimes their parents are angry with them um, because they attend church or because they became a Christian and they accepted Christ. Um, for me, it's like my parents would be angry with me if I don't go to church. You know? and, uh, and many of them struggle with the decision to get baptized because they have to get permission from their parents and their parents um, don't want to allow them. And, and for me, I think when I told my parents that I want to get baptized, I, I think my mom's reaction was like, oh, finally. You know, something like that. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's... it's it's not just about you know the getting permission and, and and to do things. I think you know when 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 my youth from non-Christian families they go through a difficult period. Um, it it's 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 a diff- it's different because they don't have a mother who 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 says you know let me pray for you. They they don't have a mother who assures them God is with you. They don't have a mother who points out specific scripture that is relevant to their situations or tell them that their purpose in life is is to glorify God and. That is the real reason why you have to study and work hard, not so much to you know, earn money and get a good job and all that kind of things. So, so it's hard. It's hard for them when, you're, when they are discouraged, um, when they're down spiritually, and there's no one to encourage you at home. They don't have a mother to remind them to do their quiet time. They don't have a mother to remind them to read the Bible and pray. And, and it, makes a diff- it makes a big difference because I had a mother like that. And you know, my, my mom is always reminding me and my siblings you know, about... Um, the promises we can claim from the Bible, the commandments we should keep, um, the truths we need to apply, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And, and so because of this, I, I always reject the notion that second-generation Christians are generally less passionate about God. You know, no way! We have been given a hit start. We have a legacy, we have an inheritance. How can we be less passionate and less devoted to God? You know, if you are a second-generation Christian... I hope you realize and appreciate what a blessing and privilege it is 
to have been born in a godly home. Your spiritual heritage makes such a huge difference. And, and please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that second-generation Christians are better or superior in any way. But, but having a godly mother really makes a difference in a person's life. It, make th- it makes things easier. Um, and in fact, I feel that because I am a second-generation Christian, I should be able to give even more because I've been given much and I've been blessed with much more. And, and that's what I want to try to do with my children who will be third-generation Christians, to make sure that they are taught about God from the start. You know, I think parents are always looking to give their children a hit start, right? which is why nowadays there are classes for like even 18 months old. Uh, like primary one registration is so competitive. Even kindergarten registration is competitive. I have a friend who, uh, who, who signed her, her, her kid up for kindergarten when he was born. Uh, you know, I won't say which kindergarten it was, um, but yeah, because the waiting list is so long, you know, right, right, right from the start, you have to, to get on the list. And parents always want to give their children a head start. And I think as Christian mothers, we give our children a huge head start when we teach them about God right from the start. And I really believe that it will make a big difference in their lives because I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of, of so many second-generation Christians. You know, when, uh, when Gemma got to an age where where she could you know, talk a bit and just sit down and listen. We, we started to read her Bible stories. And um, so it's become a bit of a routine, and now she makes us uh, read her Bible stories at night, and she has a favorite. You know, previously, it was Baby Moses, and now it's David and Goliath. But although, for some reason, she seems more interested in Goliath. She, she actually calls it the story of Big Goliath, and she likes to imitate the way that he laughs. Um, and I think I've read this story more than 50 times uh, to her. Um, but you see, we've taught her um, that, that you know, David is not scared because who is with him? And she says, God. Uh, and we've taught her to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And, 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 and does this necessarily mean that she will grow up to be a God-fearing, godly woman? Uh, no, it could just all be head knowledge, right? But at, the, at least, at least from the start, she learns these truths and they are introduced into her life. And hopefully... As she grows up, she will learn to apply them and she will learn to understand them. And if I can give her this kind of head start, then I surely will. If I can give her this kind of head start in life, then I will. And am I, am I brainwashing her and indoctrinating her? Yes, I unashamedly am. Um, because if I don't, then the world and the media is going to put other things into her head and I'm going to get there first. And, and we've also um, taught her or, or trained her uh, how to pray. So, so she knows the posture. She knows that you must kneel down and, and put your hands together and close your eyes, bow your heads. And, and, she, kind of, and she knows the template, you know, dear God, please, something, something, amen. Um, and, 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 and I know she doesn't fully understand the concept of, of, of prayer and talking to God, but, but, but I refuse to believe that, that all this counts for nothing. There was once that she, I was just sitting at a table and she randomly came up to me and she just knelt down and she said, dear God, Please help, mommy. Amen. And then she just ran away again. And, um, um, and, and that just blew me away. I was like, wow, where did that come from? Um, and, and another time, she put her hand on my stomach, and she said, Dear God, please help Mimi grow up. Amen. Um, yeah, and, and, and no one taught her that. So I, 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 I was really um, quite moved by that. And, 
And, and so now I try to involve her in, in praying for other people. And, and the other day I told her that, um, you know, so-and-so is sad. Shall we pray for her? And, and she said, okay. And she said, dear God, please help so-and-so. Uh, don't cry tears. Amen. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, are these, are these great prayers? No, they're, 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 they're really quite random and, and short and, and vague. But, but, but I believe that something is happening in her spirit. And I believe that she is somehow learning something about prayer and, and about God. And, and I believe that God is working in her life from this very young age. You know, Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. You know, mothers, it all counts and it all makes a difference. When you tell your kids to turn off the TV and go and read their Bible, it counts for something. When they are scared of the thunder, of exams, of a horrible boss, and you remind them that the God of angel armies is always by their side, it makes a difference. And when they are at a crossroads and you tell them that his plan for them is perfect, they should just choose the option that most glorifies him. It all makes a difference. And that sincere faith, like the one that Lois and Eunice had, that we share with and we pass on to our children, it all counts for something. And you know, I really um, believe and, and value and appreciate the idea of spiritual heritage because I grew up with such great spiritual heritage. And it's actually not just my mom, it's not just my parents. I, I grew up in this church. I am the same age as this church. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, last year when we were celebrating our 30th, 30th anniversary, yeah, that was my 30th birthday. And, um, and, and, and there are so many people in the congregation or, or in the church who have mentored and discipled and taught me over the last 30 years in, in JSS, that's what Cool Club used to be called, Junior Sunday School. In, in, in the youth. Um, and you know the saying that says, it takes a whole village to raise a child. I think it takes a whole church to raise a child. And, and for us as a church, I think this is one of our great strengths. You know? and, and, and it's something that I really love about our church, that we're family and that we pass on together the legacy of loving God and serving God to our children and then to our children's children. I know that some of you already have grandchildren in this church. And I think that's wonderful when three generations come to church together. I want to show you a photo. Um, next slide. The, <laughs> these are uh, three of my youth leaders. And they are, they are really mature and godly and committed leaders. They, they serve God passionately. They serve God wholeheartedly. And they're really, really outstanding people. And on the, on the far right, uh, that's Tiara. Her mother is Janita Fu. And uh, Tiani's in the middle. His, his mom is Catherine, Catherine Lim. And Janita and Catherine were my Sunday school teachers. And Diane is the daughter of Hock Chuan, who was Uncle Hock Chuan. Was also, um, he was also one of my Sunday school teachers. And, um, and there's also Elder Vincent, who was youth superintendent when I was youth. And uh, this year, his, his daughter, Rachel, has, has joined the ministry, and, and now I'm taking care of the youth. You know, people who have sowed into my lives and into my spiritual growth when I was a child have children whom I am now sowing into and whom I am now responsible for. And, and really, that's what I love about our church. You know, the idea of spiritual heritage and, and legacy 
And Psalm 145 says, one generation will commend your works to another. And I hope that as a church, we will just continue passing on this legacy of loving God, serving God, generation after generation. You know, when I first started um, thinking about this message, I really wanted to encourage and affirm the mothers in our church because there are so many great and godly mothers in our church. And I know this for sure because I see the fruit of godly mothering in my youth ministry all the time. I serve in the diaconate now alongside um, people like Elder Paul. Elder Paul's son, Matthew, is one of my youth leaders. Um, there's Elder Shing, whose son is also called Matthew, also, a youth, also one of my youth leaders. Um, in the diaconate, there's JK. His daughter, Juliana, has been serving the youth for a long, long time. And, and, and I know these people are fathers, but of course we all know that behind every successful father is a very, very godly mother. And, and, and yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, these are, these are just a few examples. There are, there are so many godly mothers in our midst. And, and for that, we as children, we've been extremely, extremely blessed. And so today on Mother's Day, I want to affirm all the mothers that your prayers and your life and your teaching have a powerful effect on your children. And don't ever underestimate your influence and your position, your authority over your children's lives. In fact, your children are counting on you to make a big difference in their lives. And so that's actually all I have for today. I'm going to invite the keyboardists up and... and and I thought we should just pray for the mothers in our midst. And know today, if you, if you are a mother, I hope you are really, really blessed. I hope you see and, and are encouraged by, by the effect that, that your mothering has had on, on your children. I hope you understand and realize what a great difference you make in their lives. And for the rest of us, let's just pray for the mothers. Just pray for the mothers in our midst. Dear God, we thank you so much for our mothers. We have been so blessed by them and by their lives and, and just by their example and by their hard work and their tears and, and, and everything that they've done for us. And today I want to specially pray for all the mothers in our midst. I pray that God, you will bless them. You will bless them with even more. I know a mother's job never stops. I pray that you will bless us, God, with wisdom, with godliness, with all that we need to leave a legacy with our children. Father, we will raise children who are sold out for you. We'll raise children who know their purpose is in you and to glorify you. 
will raise children who are fully devoted to you. So Father, bless us, equip us, and be with us, God, as we raise a family. In Jesus' name I pray. Happy Mother's Day. Have a blessed time celebrating. Feel mom and appreciating her today.